0: Welcome to Training with Casey, and I'm your host, Casey Cover. And today I want to talk about should you talk to your animals? I had a great time earlier today talking with Sylvia Madaluska, and she's a really good professional trainer from Poland. She's done amazing things with her two Rhodesian ridgeback females. And if you know ridgebacks, they're very uh, predatory dogs in general. And Sylvia takes them walking off lead in the forest. And her recalls on these dogs are phenomenally good. And that's when they're staring at moose, deer, deer. Uh, storks. <laughs> they've been all kinds of animals that the dogs have happened upon. And she talks to the dogs and calls them. And she uses the intermediate bridge and those dogs peel off of the game and come straight to her. Now, this is both her uh, adult Ridgeback, but also her puppy who's just entering those challenging adolescent years or time for a dog. So we were talking about what brought Sylvia to Sats. And she loved the fact, or she loved a couple of things, more than one thing. But one of the things she loved is the fact that we communicate with the dogs, that we talk to them. And she was commenting on, How her whole career and in the experience of many of her clients, they were told, don't talk to the doc, communicate with body language and cues, and kind of don't foul up the airspace, right? Now, here's the question. Is that good advice? Should you talk to your animals? Spoiler alert, I'm going to answer it right now. Yes, yes, you should talk to your animals. And why are professionals telling you not to? I really don't understand that. Because you know what? Most of the professionals that I know and respect talk to their animals all the time. And the better they are, The more they talk to them, I've had the pleasure of knowing some world-class equestrians and the conversations they have with their horses are very similar to the conversations that I have with my horses, but also with my human family at home. So why should you talk to your animals? There are many, many reasons It improves their success in the home, if you want to really simplify it. For you, it makes your life with animals better and easier. When trainers get certified in SATs, I try to always interview them and find out how they feel about the experience and how they're applying things and what really works with out exception, every trainer that I've interviewed has said that name and explain gives them the most bang for the buck. What? That's not even a training tool. I mean, it is a training tool because it, you, we use it to train, but you don't have to be a trainer. You don't have to have any special knowledge to use name and explain. So how do you get started? You just start. You share information with the animal. Now, when you start to do this, this has all kinds of benefits. But for one thing, if you have an animal with any tendency to get aroused or overly excited or fearful, the very fact that you talk to them can really help them to change that aspect of their, uh, you know, experience, their behavior, their personality. And I don't care if they understand anything you say, because when you start to talk to them, it engages their brain. And as long as their brain is engaged, they are less able to panic or get hyper-aroused. And they may be thinking as they engage their brains, what's wrong with her? Doesn't she know I'm a dog? Why is she speaking to me in English or Polish or whatever? But the fact is, is that will help right there. In fact, Lisa Feldman Barrett, in her book, How We Construct Emotions, says that the single most helpful thing you can do when when somebody starts to get uh, too emotional is just name what you see. Don't lecture them. Don't tell them what to do. Just say what you're observing. And it is so effective. It takes the animal from the confused uh, experience or the subject of the experience to the an analyzer. It helps them get some distance from their emotions. And from there, we find that they very quickly learn the words that we present to them. So they may not know them at first, but it's still worthwhile to talk to them. Now, am I saying that you should, you know, have discussions about politics with your dogs? Well, only if you built your relationship to that degree. But if you want to see a very simple, extremely effective example of this, go to uh, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash Casey Cover. And search for Star's big day. And you're going to see Liz Marshall holding the sides of Star's neck as she loops her fingers into his collar. And this dog is on the verge of being euthanized. And she's got a big plastic container of food to give him to, to distract him so that he can get his shot to be euthanized. But just in case, he'll accept his vaccine, which would save his life. Liz is going to give him that chance. And she uses name and explain to help him. And you know what she says? Very simple. She holds the side of his neck and loops into his collar. And she says, restraint. The so Star, restraint, scruff, the vet tech or the vet nurse is going to pull the scruff. Scruff, pull, that's what they're going to do with it. Injection. It's wonderful. She ends up giving Star the entire thing of cheese because he took his vaccine. He saved his own life. As a matter of fact, he went on to a new home. Within a week, that dog reclaimed and recreated his life with the guidance and the support from Liz Marshall. It is a beautiful thing to see. I think it's 43 seconds long. You got to see it. I mean, ah, you just have to see it. And you'll get a chance to see people dancing a jig, I think. So, when you're talking to your animals, you can be simple. You should be strategic. Tell them what they most need to know. And as they get more experience, you can give them additional information and build more vocabularies and build more concepts. SAT, SATs is all about doing those things. We demonstrate to the animals using bridges and targets what we want them to do, but then we also name everything, and we teach the names or the the vocabulary. So we're constantly building vocabulary, and then we teach aspects of how those things relate. Those would be concepts, like is it bigger or littler? Is it over or under, around, between? Left versus right, medial versus uh, distal, proximal versus distal. Anyway, you get the drift. I started to go into my whole uh, medical vocabulary positions and directions. Okay, so they don't have to understand what you say, but if to start using name and explain to make your life with animals better. But I think if you observe the animals, you're going to find that they do already understand many of the things you say. I bet you every dog owner is convinced that their dog understands words such as walk, car, dinner, treat, toy, And here's the thing. If you have a dog, does your dog understand those things? Did you specifically teach them? I don't know about you, but I didn't teach those things to my dog. In fact, many of them I spell out with letters to try to make sure my dog doesn't know what I'm talking about. Let's say... If I'm discussing with my husband whether or not we have time to take the dog in the C-A-R. You know what? In no time, they learn to spell the words as well. So these dogs are learning on their own just by observing us. And yet, ironically, many of us don't seem to be able to learn about the true abilities of the dogs by observing them. We cling to outdated ideas of what animals are capable of doing instead of simply looking. Looking, analyzing, observing, discerning. Observation and discernment are two of the most critical skills in training, and they are two of the rarest. Many good trainers will say um, you must train the dog in front of you. In other words, no matter how many great things you've learned about dogs, the particular dog that you're training may not respond well to your favorite one. And you need to actually observe and test and analyze to discover what will work best with that dog. So the ability to discern and observe and to analyze, the ability to think critically and independently, these are all very important traits in trainers. And good news is we see these abilities just dramatically Building in people as they go through the perception modification class and then later in the bridge and target classes. So, how do you get started in talking to your dogs or your cats or anybody? Really, it's the same as when you talk to little children. You're going to teach them. And we teach the animals very similarly to the way that mothers teach their babies. Although I think we're a little more systematic than most mothers are. So if you have babies, check it out. Try these, you know, try what we're talking about here and see if it helps your child to learn better and faster and see what the benefits are. So first thing you do is you just start using a name and explain. A name and explain is just running a narrative for your animal where you are pointing out what's happening. It might sound like this. Okay, would you like to go for a walk? If you want to go for a walk, you need to sit, put your head up, let me put your lead on, then you're going to walk next to me and we're going to go out the front door. When we go out the front door, you're going to turn around and face the door and sit while I lock the door. Then we're going to go down the steps and we'll take a right at the sidewalk and we're going to walk down to the dog treat store, wherever you're going to go, right? And then you don't have to tell them the entire thing at once, but that's the kind of stuff you would tell them. So how might it actually sound if you're just getting started with the dog? Because frankly, for an experienced animal that's gone to the pet treat store more than once, I'll just say, Okay, we have to put your collar on, and you're going to turn around, face the door, and sit when we get outside. And then we'll go down the, the steps, take a right, and go to the pet treat store. And they already know all the details because they've experienced it before. And we name it, now I can refer to their previous experience. And there's all kinds of benefits in that. But if the animal is new, I might say, Okay. You need to sit and put your head up and let me put your lead on. Good, 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 good. Good. Excellent. All right. So now let's walk together to the door loosely. Good, 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 good. And sit. Good. Please wait while I open the door. Good, 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 Going out to turn around and face the door. Good, 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 good. Locking the door. Good. And now let's go down the steps. Good, good, good. At the sidewalk, we'll make a right. So I would break it up. I wouldn't give the animal the whole uh, explanation of what was going to happen. I would give him each piece. And pretty soon, I wouldn't really have to explain much of anything. And I would also be able to drop out the intermediate bridges. Because when the animal is experienced, he will no longer need that support. In fact, at that point, it can irritate him. So, what are the benefits of doing this? Well, for one thing, if you just open the door of your dog's crate without preparing him for what's happening next, he's likely to burst out of the crate, run around, frolic, get excited, jump up on people, etc., etc. Whereas if you say, okay, when you come out of the crate, sit down, let me put your lead on and let's go walking. He will often do exactly that. So rather than having to get after the animal because you didn't exercise your leadership and lead him into doing the thing correctly, and you can change that. You can start doing it in such a way that the animal becomes more cooperative. Now, another thing is the animal will be less stressed. He'll be more relaxed. He'll be more willing to cooperate. If you tell the animal that you're going to the vets and you're just going to get a vaccine, it relieves the uncertainty of where are we going? Oh my gosh, we're at the vets. The last time I was at the vets, they kept me here. I went to sleep. I didn't know I had missing time. Could have been an alien abduction. I don't know. All I know is my owner wasn't there when I woke up, etc., etc. You don't have to have that uncertainty. You can just explain to the dog. Okay, we're going to go to the vets. And you're going to get your vaccines and then we'll go to the pet treat store. How about that? And maybe you have to go back to the vets and do something new that the dog hasn't done before. Let's say you got your vaccines one day and the vet calls you and says, oh, uh, can you bring your dog in for a blood test? We are no longer trapped in the present when we're training the dog. So in operant conditioning, they'll tell you, you must address exactly what's happening in front of you when you bridge, when you cue, etc. They even go so far as to project that dogs have no sense of past or future which is inanely wrong. If doc, uh, anyway, that's probably a discussion for another time. We may get into it a little, but anyway, so what I can do now is I can say to this dog, maybe he's never actually given a blood sample before. And I say to him, we need to go to the vets. Remember yesterday, you got an injection for your vaccine Today, you're going to get a blood draw. It's similar to an injection. But instead of putting the syringe needle in your scruff, they're going to have you lie down, and they'll put the needle probably in your left front leg. And instead of it taking to the count of five, it may take to the count of 30. So here's what that is. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. That's how long 30 is. Okay, are you Ready? Let's go. And when you get to the vets, you're going to be easy around the other dogs. You're just going to sit down and relax. Are you ready? You go to the vets, 9 times out of 10, the dog will be perfect as if he were already trained to do all of this. But he wasn't trained. It was just explained to him. Now, is that so strange if You and I were in a country where I spoke the language and you didn't, and you needed medical treatment, and I had credibility with you, and I explained to you that the doctor was going to put a needle in your arm or, you know, give you a shock or something like that. Would it be helpful? Would it be helpful if I told them that you had to hold very still? And if you held yourself very still, that that would be fine. But otherwise they had to hold you. If I wasn't there to explain that to you and the doctors couldn't explain it because of the language barrier and they all of a sudden just all piled up on you to hold you down, What would happen to you emotionally, even if they were going to save your lives by piling up on you and holding you? Is that a good way to do it? Which way would you prefer? I certainly would prefer a trusted friend explaining to me and explaining the reasons why and going between me and the people that spoke a language different from mine. And in your animal's world, you are that trusted friend. You're very, very powerful, and you can help them incredibly. So we already explained that when you talk to the animal, it occupies their mind and keeps them, helps to keep them from panicking or getting aroused. It also prepares them to be successful. It also explains what they need to know about what's about to happen, whether it's a medical procedure or grooming procedure, or we're going to meet new people. They're going to have to wait while you open the car door. All these things are useful to explain. And it's also going to incredibly, well, I didn't say that right. It is going to help you to build, you and your animal to build vocabulary and concepts very efficiently. And one of the things we do in SATs is we name every piece of behavior as we go. So I'm going to name the body parts. I'm going to name the direction or the position of the body parts. These are your front legs. You have two front legs. This is your left front leg, and this is your right front leg. Do you have other legs? Yeah, look at these two back here. These are your rear legs. Do you have a left rear leg? Yep, that's it. Do you have a right rear leg? Yes, good job. So let's look at how many legs you have. One. Two, three, four. Two rear, two front, two right, two left. May I touch your left rear leg? And so it goes. Now, in that little example, do you see how I started naming vocabulary but also developed concepts? So the vocabulary was leg and legs, front and rear, right and left. And the concepts are which body parts are legs? Which legs are front legs? Which legs are back legs? In other words, what traits do these kinds of legs have in common And why can those legs then become also right or left legs? So you can have a rear leg that's either right or left. And you can have a front leg that's either right or left. And you can have a right leg that's front or rear. And you can have any combinations of those things when you talk to your animal. Now, we're starting at a really simple place. We're just explaining body parts and positions of body parts. So let's step it up a little bit. Let's say I take my target and I put it far enough in front of my animal's muzzle that they have to walk one step to get to it. And I say, here, asking them to target. And as they walk, X, as they start to walk, I say X before they even touch the target. And I say, that's walking. Now I'm going to put the target out there again. And I'm going to say, can you walk to the target here? Good, 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 good. As they actually touch that target. Then I say, you walked to the target. That's walking. Look where we are. We're at the fence post. See where we came from? We came from the sidewalk. Can we walk from the fence post back to the sidewalk? Good job. Good, 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 good. Now, Let's walk to the first fence post. Good, 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 Can we walk to the second fence post? Good, 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 good. There's one, two fence posts so far. Are there any more? Look, here's a third fence post. Let's walk down there. And so it grows. We can count all the fence posts, We can name the fence post. We can send the dog out to any one of those fence posts. It took me 45 minutes to teach my horse all of the, the um, markers in the dressage arena. And then I could just ask her to go to that marker and then I could call her back to me from across the arena Or, you know, do other things that were more interesting because she understood how to position herself. So I I actually didn't have another horse at that time. And so I couldn't do the more complex behaviors. But I had dreams and goals of having horses dancing together at liberty, out in the middle of the dressage arena with no person intervening at all. And that would have been a good thing because my horse and I did a lot of dance movements together. I used to actually be a dance major, but I'm going to tell you, my horse looks better on her own. <laughs> so now that I have two horses, who knows, maybe we'll get back to that. All right. So should you talk to your animals? Absolutely. And I mentioned all of these different benefits, but you know what the best one is? When you share information with your animal, when you act on the idea that they are intelligent, capable of understanding, capable of thinking about what you're doing, capable of helping you to develop what you're doing then that animal is going to be more likely to align with your goals and to collaborate with you to do these things. That's an incredible gift. We all want to be seen not as a device, but as a thinking, feeling being. And when you talk to an animal and share information with them, you are seeing them. You are elevating them. And what did it cost you? It not only doesn't cost you anything, but it will pay you dividends that are perhaps beyond your wildest dreams. When I started training animals privately, after having done thousands of shows for audiences that uh, we knew were over two and a half million people, I decided I no longer wanted to train animals unless they wanted to be training, also as much as I wanted to be training. In other words, When I train an animal, I love getting to know that animal, getting to play with that animal, getting to develop together, not just in our knowledge, but what we can do together. That is a lot of fun. If I couldn't clearly lead the animal into feeling like that was just as much fun for them as I felt it was for me. I didn't want to take their time. If you look at my videos, you will see that most of the cases, the animals are at liberty. And while I have no problem with e-collars or uh, most kinds of collars or leads or whips, I use whips all the time, but I use them as targets in general. Anyway, um, I have no problems with any of those tools, but neither do I need them. Most of my animal work is at Liberty. The animals may be inside a pasture or you know, an exhibit or a paddock or even inside a room or holding area. But... Wherever we are, they come to me freely because they want to. And what I'd love to see are situations like an, a long time ago client of mine, Lady Lee. And Lady Lee learned the alphabet, all of the numbers, colors. Two packs of flashcards. She learned the alphabet in 45 minutes. And we had the alphabet papers up on a table. And Lady Lee would come out and stand by the table. And she wanted to go through her flashcards. She loved it. And she would sit there and clump her jaws until she would get foam all around her mouth and her owner would come running out to let her do the flashcards because she loved it. She knew she could target all her body parts. She knew all the different directions. She learned very quickly and she loved learning. And I want that for every animal. And if we get that, from an animal, then we don't need all these other tools. Think of how much easier training can be when you don't rely on tools and you don't even rely on food and you don't rely on punishment and you don't rely on a toy. So by the way, I just said that naughty word, punishment. Remember, we use diminishment we're not punishing anything we're not demeaning or hurting or giving pain to the animal we're just making a behavior happen less frequently okay that's what i have to bring to you tonight on the subject of why should you talk to your animals and why should you ignore the people that tell you not to talk and i got to tell you that Over and over again, when somebody comes into this way of training, they will comment, maybe not at the first, but later on, they'll say, you know, I just don't understand. All these trainers told me not to talk to my animal, but I talk to my animal all the time and I did before, but I was afraid to tell them. And now that I talk to them this way, my relationship is so much better. Try it out. Okay. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. And please, um, if you can, join Podomatic as if you're going to start a podcast so that you can like this podcast and comment on it. And remember, there's a free version and there's a version for $2.99 a month. Pick the free version, at least to start with, right? Who knows? Maybe you will start a podcast. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great day.